Welcome back to the Fear and Beer Podcast, where we discuss all things Halloween Horror Nights, horror movies, and just a little bit of beer. I'm Nick. And I'm Seamus. Like scary movies. Uh Uh-huh. Here's Johnny. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. You miss me. Aren't you drinking? I never drink. Why? Before we get into tonight's episode, we want to remind all of those listening on Apple Podcasts to drop us a five-star review. It helps us grow as a podcast and build our audience. If you're listening on Spotify or any other platform, follow us, and don't forget to share with friends and family who might have a little bit of the strange in them as well. And while you're on those socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, be sure to find us, Fear and Beer Pod. Give us a like, share, and you can always message us. We'd love to interact with all you guys. This is off to a great start already. Okay. Big episode, episode 50. Is this 50th already? This is 50. Oh my goodness. Yeah, this is a long... I'm already 50 years old. Oh, this is nuts. (laughs) We are hitting a lot of milestones lately. We had that one year anniversary episode, we had the HHN at Home 2 episode, and we're going to keep the train rolling on episode 50. We got another fun... We'll this see. Is, yes, chaotic. Be, yeah, this is a special episode. This is a special chaotic it might be, episode. It might be a little chaotic. We have our fan favorites from the pod back with us. We got Kevin. Thanks for having me back. And we have Jimmy this week as well. Hello. <laughs> Super loud sweet. again. <laughs> All right, sweet. Jimmy is going to try his best to figure out the audio levels. He is still... Well, he's already screwed up and cracked his beer before we... He did do his beer way too early. He's half into his it. Top. We're, we're, we're staring at our closed beers, and Jimmy's halfway done with yeah, his premature can poppage. Yeah, happens, well, it happens, you to know, it happens to the best of us. That's fine. <laughs> so this week, like we said, we got a special one. We told you all about it. We are going through the HHN Icons. But Kevin and Jimmy are not the biggest HHN fans. They know some stuff from either listening to the episodes or seeing some of our socials. So they might know some names, but they might not know the backstory. So I'm curious what we're going to get for answers. So we're going to go one by one. We're going to show them pictures of the icons in random order. We're going to let them give us their best take of what we think or what they think that one is. I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> game faces on. <laughs> what are we going to do if they get every single one of them right? No, but you said the point Shitty wasn't episode. to get it right. The point was just to come up with an no, imagination. No, I know that. I, I, I think, I think the, point of the, the point of the episode is we want the audience to scream and yell because you guys should know the answers to yeah. these and you don't. But what happens if you like, you get everything right? You're going to be like, oh, this is so and so. Oh, shit. Like, like, right. So <laughs> that episode. I mean, yeah. So in, in disclosure, I haven't gone. My wife is like, horror is like not her jam at all. And so, of course, we were here for years before you guys got here. So now probably it's going to be an easier maneuver than me telling her, hey, I'm heading off by myself to the universe. I'm going off to Universal by myself. Now now we're going to get you all to go with us. Yeah, and then Jimmy has not done any HHN events. So he he just moved down this past year. So we're going to bring him through the ringer this year as well. Yes, very excited. (laughs) (laughs) I can hear it. (laughs) Sorry. So sad. I can hear the excitement. I'm just trying to keep the volume up to 12 whatever so okay, you don't you don't have to be you don't have to think about it that hard <laughs> he thinks he's taking a polygraph <laughs> he keeps going up he's, he's trying, he's he's trying to, to he's trying to I don't, want, I don't want you to think I'm lying these notes on me guys <laughs> so yeah that's it we're gonna go through the pictures right. of these icons and then after each icon I'm sure you all listening at home will probably be able to tell which one that we are talking about but after that we will go into what their actual name is and what their actual story is and then we'll move on to the next icon you sure that's the game plan, at least. Do you want to drink some beer first, though? Yeah, let's do some let's beer. Let's crack some beer. Let's I mean, beer. one of us, again, already popped their beer, so <laughs> premature explosion. But we're having another 
Rogue Ale beer. Let's say these the can art looked familiar. I know yeah, it's not the same so beer, but this we... is the same bre- uh, brewery that we had when we had Justin on. So we interviewed okay, Justin yeah. that night. We had a Rogue uh, Colossal Claude. I think was the one we had. Oh, good, because yeah. I thought I thought this is the one you had. So no, good, well, we good. mentioned it. So the reason we bring this one up is because this is the one they're known for. I think uh, everybody everybody recognizes this like skeleton Pope like thing on the Dead Guy Ale is what we're drinking. So it's their. I think it's their their flagship or it's kind of become their flagship would you say that this beer is iconic yes. to their brand yes <laughs> i see what you did there yeah i see what you did there so again they're based out of newport oregon uh joel shields is the brewmaster and he's been i did up all it. kinds of good it's stuff pretty good <laughs> oh yeah you've been drinking it now for the last 10 minutes it's, well, it's fine jimmy only open break it. the rules you couldn't just let it sit there <laughs> right so let's pop these bad boys open i'm sure everybody's listening probably had it before but it's always a good classic to have <laughs> one two three Oh I, oh, 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 I screwed up my pop. There it is. It happens. Pour these bad boys out. Yeah, so I it's think, a malty ale, right? I think you guys will enjoy this one. To be honest with you, I think so, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, let's see what it describes it as. Dead guy ale. It's a May, May, Maybach. Maybach? Maybach? Style ale. Robust Ooh, malt profile sweetness. The edge. There we go. Balanced by a liberal use of bittering hops. So, yeah, so it's like malty, so it's probably sweet, kind of like, you know, an amber ale. So it, just, it looks like a lighter, a much lighter I was just going to say, it looks like an amber ale. The head's kind of got a, that, I don't want to say red tinge, but it's got that darker tinge to like yeah, a brown ale. It's definitely not amber. a pure white or anything like that. Which I haven't had a decent brown ale in a very long time. I mean, even the head's like kind of a tan, I suppose. It's not a bright white. It's no Bud Light. <laughs> Looks like it's no, Jimmy. It's not the Bud Light. Good, <laughs> good carbonation, but I'm just kidding. It's like a mix between like a Yingling and a Killian's. I mean, is, is it, exactly yeah, which are which are related styles, family like yeah. amber ales, dark ales, malty ales. So, would you say it's robust, Kevin? Would I say it's robust? I haven't tried it yet. I didn't jump the gun. <laughs> I didn't jump ahead of the game. I play by the rules, Jim. <laughs> I play <with> keeps. <laughs> I'm still just letting mine settle, trying to get us, trying to get this old beer in the glass before without overflowing it. Playing a dangerous. The game nose beer. on it, it smells just like a, like a not a well, robust. <laughs> Is that that's Jimmy's one uh, identifier? That's one word for a beer. What kind of notes are you guys getting? <laughs> D flat. Uh, I was oh, trying to think of sh- what it smells like, but I think it's just a Yingling. Which, yeah, is a, yeah, which is kind yeah, of a yeah, multi. I think that's probably what I mean, that's a, I'm getting to. That's, that's a lager, I think. But um, mm. this is an ale. But it's got that same. It's, well, like red, red amber ale. I'm trying to think of other yeah ambers that I've had. More general, general ambers. All right, I went in. Like a Smittix. Is Smittix an amber ale? I think. I think it is. It's got uh, that maybe. same. Like Killian's is a red ale. This is. Yeah, malty. If this is it's like a malty oh, this ale. This malty. is pretty simple. Not much of a flavor profile to it. It's, got, it. it's not a deep. It's not very robust. Get those hints, Nick. Tell me what you're. Uh, it's very light about. for me. Yeah, it's 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 not a heavy ale. I mean, it's six point eight percent, and it is it it's is good. very tasty. It, I like the reds. Had, the reds are always. If like, you had given me this and told me it was a Yingling, I'd I'm a redhead fan. I think I'd believe you. I wouldn't even. Yeah. A little bit of a bitter metallic. Really, no hops. Decent malt. Good taste overall. Simple. I like it. It's a good beer. I mean, reds like reds and like those lagers are just such. It's just so like generic beer. That's just that's beer right there. Lager is like six point eight percent ABV. So not 
not too not too high. No, this is a good one. This will this will get us through this the episode. Is like their flagship or their most common one, which makes sense because it's not very it's not very strong, not very bitter, so it probably plays well to the masses. So yeah. this is just their. Now I wonder what a like because I've never heard of a Maybach before. I don't know what that. I mean, it's obviously I, some sort of. Bach. I forget that style. Yeah, I forget the style. This, you know. Because it does it, it's cut. I think the malt's a caramel. I'm getting caramel off of it a little bit. Yeah. Right. So it's and sweet. Then, yes. And then they play like double box and triple box where they start getting <laughs> yeah. they start getting higher sugar content, so which means higher alcohol content. <laughs> yeah. You start getting you start getting into the families that have like the the stone fruit or the you know that they get start getting the prune and raisin, and then you start getting as you get like into a triple. You start getting the, that boozy burn in the back end. Right. And yeah, there's no booze on this one, which is no. This it's, is it's nice and subtle. This is the bottom rung of the malt styles. All right. Well, should we dive into these icons? I'm ready. See what we're talking about here. All right. So let's start it out. We're gonna start it out nice and easy. We're gonna show you. Just yell at the first thing you think of. This, this, this. One. No need to raise hands in this classroom. So this is our first icon that we're going to be going through. I'm gonna let Kevin take this one because I do know this one's name. I just, you know, I don't know anything clowns. about it. Clowns are always creepy as shit. Clowns are definitely one of the forefronts of like Let's horror. See horror is a here. We can pass it. We can pass it around. <laughs> so we're gonna look for oh, yeah, he's a name for this shit. gentleman in a, in a story. What's what's their story? Because the icons do have stories. Some more in depth than others. Uh, some are shorter, and some of these icons we're going to show you actually weren't even icons. Some of them were uh, scrapped icons, icons that were supposed to happen, but for one reason or another didn't come to fruition. There's there's two of those, and there's another icon in there that's like pseudo-icon that kind of doesn't really get the credit of being an icon, but was the icon. Now, the icons essentially two are like the leaders of that year some years they have them some years they don't and at, at sometimes the icons kind of have a, a over arcing theme throughout it's, most it's like brewing your own beer so they, they kind of tie back into the icon one way or another do they all show up these are every year or so not every year these are these are original characters designed and created by universal so that they have the intellectual rights. property they're not worrying about yeah. having to get copy you know rights to Correct. other people's stuff. so they can kind yeah, of roll perfect. them out as they see as they it's see homegrown fit. it's like brewing your own beer yep there it is so are these, right. these are universal products? so this is universal horror nights these are strictly horror nights they've been used in various i mean they've been used in singapore hollywood orlando has definitely been the yeah, one that uses them the most they're hhn characters so it's not like universal monsters where they've made movies back yeah, in the 30s I was gonna say, about why them. not cash in on that make a movie out of them that's we've talked well, about they, that i think we've, we've talked about it i don't it's, know if it's something they'll ever do but it's it's definitely it, it gives mm-hmm. their haunted attraction more flavor because you're getting something of some substance rather than just saying hey here's a dark but scary house of blood all flavor, over though of like these characters you know you basically, then you make a movie out of it. Now it drills. I'd be more curious. I, I mean, yeah, I maybe at some point they do something. It would make sense with all the streaming services and everything that they have. I mean, they own. Is it Peacock? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Well, no. They have some ties with that. At least. Yeah, based on NBC oh, Universal. NBC Universal. NBC Universal. Yeah. So like, I could. I mean, that would be a cool. Even if it's just a a, a, a series. Not. I don't a know movie, if I'd want to see a clown. Though. I mean, how many times are going to do a clown? Well, uh, Seamus has some. Uh, Seamus talking about third person now. I. <laughs> As, as our audience knows, I have some controversial views on Jack the Clown. 
Like I like him as a character. No, no, I mean clowns. I, I mean he's he's cool looking for sure. I'm just saying but like I, hate you know, clowns. I mean like how many times he can do, you know, horror. Yeah, he's Aitchison's Joker. He's yeah. really what he is. He's the Joker. He's the Joker, but he's. I was getting sweet tooth vibes from like Twisted Metal too. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, come on, come on. Now. I wasn't a PlayStation guy, Jimmy. What are you gonna do? I'm sorry. Sega. Oh well, it was Nintendo. Definitely I had. I had. Kid. What was the one on Nintendo? It wasn't Twisted Metal. It was the other one, with the school bus. But either way, whatever. All know. right. Well, since Seamus said the name already. Sorry. How many clowns? I, ha- I had a name before, so it didn't well, spoil it. Yes. Oh, you knew. So no, I didn't know the name. Oh. I mean, I'll, tell, I'll still tell you what I named yeah, what was him before. Your, what was your name going to be for this man? So he's, he's Cuddles the Clown. Okay. His parents were trapeze artists in the circus. Okay. And they traveled. he traveled as a kid with the circus. Yeah. His parents were killed in an accident, a trapeze accident. Okay. And so the clowns took him in and raised him. But one of the clowns was a pedophile. Okay. And eventually, as he got older and wiser, he killed the clown, assumed his identity, and now he kills people as Cuddles the Clown. Very good. I think you might have a knack for this. You might. <laughs> Universal needs a call. Does he cuddle them after <laughs> well, he kills that was, them? That, that was the play on the name. I'm not sure <laughs> okay. how it works out, but I figured that was fitting. That was super creative. I had a really stupid one. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't what, that stupid. What's your story for this? What do you got to the clown So here. my thing was, like, he was a dude who was super passionate about his profession. Children's birthday parties. And he happened to get a couple of bad reviews on Yelp. <laughs> He's the Yelp <laughs> and, clown killer. Yeah, and then he went on a killing spree, and that's how we know him today. Oh, and uh, the other thing I did do in preparation is I made notes of, like, the common <clears throat> archetypes of, of villains. Yeah. And he, I think he falls into what they call the, the jokers or the one-liners, kind of like the leprechaun character. Like yeah, yeah, when he yeah. kills somebody, he makes like the like the turkey witty, from Thanksgiving. Yeah, he makes witty mark remarks. Yeah, he's got some, he, some so he wit falls to into him. that type of the guy that's like he he he's not a silent killer. He kills him and then has some witty saying. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. If, I don't you. know if that's true for the character. I'll find out. But I see him. As so that what type. we have for for Jack as his backstory is he was born in Shady Brook's rest home with his brother Eddie in the late 1800s. So he's, this is a, uh, a, a very old oh, fellow. Ancient clown. Yeah. And then, so his real name is Jack Schmidt. And he was a, a, a carnival performer. And he did like to entertain the kids and, and stuff like that. And he went on to Dr. Oddfellow's, what they called, Carnival of Thrills. And he had escaped from a poor, abusive family. So he's got that old trauma backstory and stuff like that for him. He goes into the the circus as sort of a, a dis, disguise, almost as as you would. I'm at sweet. So he he was wanted for the abduction and uh, disappearance of several small children throughout the southern United States, and then the doctor himself he was wanted by the police as well for the accidental death of a couple patrons in a quote unquote freak circus accident. So he wasn't really sympathetic to Jack's you know, problems because he didn't want the cops coming around looking for him. So Jack kind of confessed himself to him and revealed the bodies of 13 children that he, that he had hidden in small trunks. And then fearing the worst, Dr. Oddfellow murdered Jack and hid his body in the carnival. Fast forward 60 years and it's supposedly the fall of 1980 and there's a television crew they're going through making a documentary on like dark rides of America, and they journey throughout the whole place. They look for this this supposed forgotten carnival ride 
and stumble upon the House of Horrors, and it sat in a Louisiana junkyard. So that was where Dr. Oddfellow's circus was. The cameramen looked around, they were going through everything, and then they found four boxes, each with the letter J-A-C-K on there, spelling out Jack, obviously. So they, they got the Well, that cameras. was fortuitous that they were in water. Otherwise, know, he right? would have been, like, catch. He would have come out with, like, feet on top. And I mean, this is a great backstory. I mean, how, you know, how, they not how is this movie? not a movie? Yeah. This is a great story. Then they found the large a large crank on the side of the box. They turned it, and then it started to move even more by itself. And then, you know, the classic melody comes out. And then when the music stops and when it starts again... The cameras died, the crank kept going, and then the top of the box flew out. And attached to the box was the decomposing body of Jack Schmidt. So after that, the legend was that Jack is searching for Dr. Oddfellow for vengeance, and then Jack will reward anybody who releases him from his toy tomb by turning the crank with a reward of sorts. So then you fast forward to 2000, this is when Jack appears as an icon. And then... Universal had brought or bought the props from the House of Horrors, and Jack was trapped in there for so many years. A Universal employee was testing the legend, and they unleashed Jack, and he came to Horror Nights. That's kind of Jack's wow, story. Wow, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know Jack Schmidt about that backstory. <laughs> well, I, that was that, that's a good one. No, we don't like clowns on this podcast. No, that's for so sure. Well, it, we, it, we do and we don't. What was the other one? Pennywise. Pennywise, who's on here? All right, so let's move on to the next one. So that one was pretty easy. I wanted to get the first one I didn't even think out of the way. Notes. That was good. I didn't even think to do notes. You know, <laughs> I usually do. You've been there. Yeah. I take notes and stuff. And he I'm does come in. prepared. Yeah. Yeah, and the top prepared. of your notes says, don't open beer till podcast starts. I didn't even <laughs> think. It's been like it's been like a it's month. It's been a while since yeah. I've been to be fair, it's been a while since. Although on that podcast practice. I was on, my trivia was on point. I was really yes. informative. Yes, you were very informative. You gained about five fans from that one episode, <laughs> all in Germany. Do you think? Yeah, I was gonna say, did people have, do like? Did they ever leave comments about me? I I don't know. <laughs> Remember at PD Jim. <laughs> all right, so let's get on to this next icon. For <laughs> Jimmy okay. plugging his socials where he doesn't doesn't really do much. It's just personal. I'm just networking. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to show you guys a picture of our next icon. Ooh. I'm gonna, you guys can pass that around if you want to look. We're passing around an iPad with these pictures, so that way we can get a real good look at these these individuals. Like I, I mean, good, because that's what we wanted. No, but I, I mean, like, I, this is hard, dude. I, I mean, he's creepy looking. <laughs> Alright, so... <clears throat> so this, we got that, that picture of this, this gentleman. Kev, can I take this one? You, you can take it. You can take it. You go first. All right. So he's got like a bag. Um, ooh. And he's got a top hat. It kind of looks like Jack the Ripper. I want to say this guy was a doctor. And, uh... Boy. So, yeah, I like the doctor thing. Because you can do like a lot of creepy things with doctors and stuff. He's got that bag and stuff. And... Maybe he got addicted to like morphine or something. <laughs> Just got hooked on the good stuff. Yeah. I don't know, used to have, like, sex with cadavers or something. <laughs> um, so if you had to come up with a name for this gentleman, what would you name? What, what do you think this person's name is? This is tough, dude. I'm, uh, I'm just not creative enough to, like, come up. Like, I wish I had notes because, I, you know, on the spot. I just, like, I just see the handbag and I'm just like, that looks like he's making house calls. Something German. Do weird experiments yeah, on humans. Spoiler alert. But he's got that British top hat, so like like a Jack the Ripper kind of thing. 
<clears throat> Which was a doctor in that Johnny Depp movie from Hell. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Kevin. What do we think on this guy? Well, I was thinking he was a maybe a doctor, but Jimmy went with that, so I'm gonna say he's an Undertaker. Oh. And I'm and I'm gonna say I don't. I guess I don't know. I'll call him Unger first. Unger. Lack of. <laughs> and what he does <laughs> is good. so he 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 gets. He gets paid or rewarded for collecting souls from dead people, oh my and, and God. that's why so he's a, that's why he's an undertaker. But he, but he wants to but he wants to beat everybody to the souls. So what happens is people like in hospitals or rest homes or even at people's houses. Like so, you're at your house, you know, you picture the the movie scene. Mm-hmm. Grandma's in the bed; she doesn't have much left. Come say goodbye. Yeah. And this guy comes to the door, and he doesn't he doesn't his character doesn't talk. It's just business cards, and he yeah. hands him a business card. And it says like so and so on, you know, Undertaker or whatever, and they they get mad and kind of freaked out. You know, she's not dead yet. What? That, this is terrible. And yeah. he just like kind of like nods like solemnly, and he walks off. And then like they're back with Grandma, and she's like fading, you know, beep 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 beep. And they and, like, the kids come in and like that guy's still out front. And then like a little bit later, beep. All right, go go get that Unger guy. Get him in from the rain. And so he wins the the, the soul because he got there first. And then yeah. he's like, he's got some sort some of way of taking him down. Or something too. there. He owes a debt or something to some you know whether it's the devil, or some demon where he has to get there first. And like the the fact that he has to get there before they die plays Just into the whole sure. story. And so that's how he collects souls. There we but go. He falls into the quiet like he never really never speaks. I got that. All right, so we got Unger the Undertaker. I'm sorry guys that was just oh man that was so incoherent that what I had like I just went all over the place I'm sorry across the board but like I mean he's got the handbag so I just figured Jesus alright Seamus do you want to tell them what we're talking about here surprisingly they were relatively close is he a doctor or what is he so who we're looking at is the caretaker, or also known as his name, Dr. Albert Kain, or Michael Kain. Oh, Dr. Albert Kain. Oh. has a German dialect right and there. He's well, that was supposed to be Michael Kane, but I'm terrible <laughs> at accents, so I'm sorry for anybody that's a fan of Michael Kain. But uh, became the caretaker of Shady Oak Cemetery in Willamette Valley, and he later converted the Victorian-style mansion he and his family lived into a lived in into a mortuary and funeral parlor. So in a way, he is looking for souls. In a way, he is a doctor. Uh, he was a surgeon for most of his career. He was intensely interested in the uh, inner workings of the body. So if you think of him almost like one of those grave... Uh, like Frankenstein? Grave resurrectionists or grave robbers. Eh, kind of. Well, Dr. He wasn't trying to create life. Uh, he was just in- interested in what the body can do. And he was using the deceased in the town that they lived in as guinea pigs um, in bizarre experiments. So his demented extended family... Uh, was made up both of blood relatives and deranged assistants. And what they would do is they would dig up bodies of both recently and not so recently dead and use them in experiments. Kind of, he almost, he, he was kind of like a Ed Gein kind of character too because he used a lot of things as like decorations, house decorations and that sort of thing. What do you mean by things? He used a lot like, of things. Like body parts. Like, okay, like, I, like body parts. I, want, I wanted to clarify not just things. Not just one particular yeah. body part, but many body parts. I guess I wasn't as, a, as incoherent as I thought. And, um, is your door knocker a penis? <laughs> Would you like it to be? Is that a schlong? It's called no. a door cocker. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was good. You just hear the... 
<laughs> so in addition to t-shirts, you now can buy online the Fear and Beard... <laughs> Dorkbockers. <laughs> That's making the highlight real. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, but for, but he, he eventually fell down a hole, and now he's using fresh specimens. And what he would do is he would go into the nearby town, and he would find homeless people. And he would more or less like provide them a charitable, quote-unquote, offer... And invite him back to his home to, you know, get them back on their feet. Unfortunately for them, he began performing horrifying surgeries and carving them open while they're all, like, still, like, anesthetized. They would just Ugh. strap them down to the table and start cutting them open and doing things and um, doing live dissections and amputations and castrate, castrate people without anesthesia. He's kind of a messed up human being. Um, and even do organ removal. All while playing Weird Al. All, like a I was going to say, all while <laughs> keeping notes and audio recordings of the of the entire thing. So, Dr. Albert Kine was not a nice human being. Uh, sometimes his assistants would take body parts during these surgeries, and when he wasn't looking, use them as dinner ingredients. So his assistants were just as messed up as he was. Um, like Cartman with Scott Malkovich's parents? Yeah, yeah, more or less. Or Scott Tenorman's parents? Scott Tenorman. Scott Tenorman. Scott Did you see Scott? Jeffrey Dahmer's new cookbook? That's okay. <laughs> Seriously, this is like, this dude was like, he, 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 you think he was pretty bad, but then I don't know who the hell he's got working for him, but they're not, where does he find these people? That's what I want to know. Like, where does he find these assistants? The slums. Um, the intern Harvard, uh, Harvard intern. So, the dark, when I, when dark, dark, dark west. Yeah. <laughs> so what ends up happening is finally... Um, the town starts talking and they start, you know, they start discovering some of the things that were going on and they get the police involved and the police launch an investigation. And what happens well, eventually is that rather than a, a re, uh, resisting uh, helping the police, Kane was actually cooperative and he wanted to eagerly show them his quote unquote research. Uh, and reports that you know that of what was found, uh, things made headlines. Things like you know, uh, just all the different decorations he was using body parts for. All these like you know half dead homeless people being cut open alive, and all this gross Ed Gein style uh, shit that was happening in, in the in the house. Um, what ended up happening is the town people actually go on a Freddy Krueger like crusade and they burned the mansion down with the Kane family inside hopefully killing him and his I mean I I don't even know if his family was doing anything it seems like all his right. assistants were doing Took something maybe, so maybe well, they just murdered his family for no reason yeah. but um, Get rid of them either way uh, after that happens they investigate the remains of the mansion they find that of course they couldn't magically find Kane's body he wasn't there or his family um, except uh save for the supposed body of his young daughter. So she may come back into things. Just keep that in mind. Um, what they end up finding is a Viet Cong level network of tunnels underneath the house that go from like the graveyard and the cellar all the way down through the town and stuff. So clearly he was able to escape uh, and grab, grab bodies while he was still doing his thing through these tunnels. And obviously they gave him an option to escape. Um... One year after that, the Shady Oak Cemetery uh, had been locked down off limits for all comers um, until the ruins of the funeral home were set to be demolished and they found three decomposing bodies on the premises. Not long after that, people who were last reported in the vicinity of the site began to go missing and several research teams were sent in to 
uh, sent into the reopened cemetery because there's a cemetery attached to it to investigate the reports of you know strange things happening both from the ruin and the cemetery itself and then finally um, you know whether it's confirmed or not that he is dead or undead um, or if he's just kind of like managed to get out uh, he I guess was given the ability to like take control of like <laughs> various creatures and stuff um, it, it kind of gets a little weird after that like he kind of like becomes like a supernatural feat creature at that yeah, point he kind of looks supernatural and he kind of like he becomes death more or less and we'll get to other characters in, in a little while that yeah. kind of help him get to that point but this is kind of where it gets a little murky as yeah. to where he is where his whereabouts That's are it's a good little like backstory so, of kind of what what the caretaker minus was of, minus with. of reading the yeah, entire so webpage when you're saying like other characters help him and you don't have to answer this now because it might play into it but so some of these i was thinking that each of these characters were standalone silos but they start that way but they don't but they it's kind of like sometimes it's kind of like the marvel universe they they yeah, start showing up they, they start time. showing up in other people's, well, other people's yeah, storylines there's, there's and there there's also been some events where there's been multiple icons so they kind of time to get there a little bit you know okay. it's it, it does get a little intertwined yeah, so they do at points which is good i mean yeah. Yeah. storylines to cross a little bit yeah. yeah all right so this is going to be another fairly easy one i think but it'll be interesting to see what the stories are and the names are that this gentleman so this is our next our next icon right Ooh. there oh i've got ideas so who wants to start out on that one you want to go or you want to... doesn't matter you want to go uh well i went last time so all right um the name i have i think i may subconsciously have known this one have summoned it, it I think it's the director okay mm-hmm. so um, yeah so Hollywood type run out of Hollywood for some terrible scandal can't make movies anymore so he kidnaps actors from Hollywood that he can't direct anymore and makes them act out these scripts that he writes which are these horrific murderous scenes where they yeah. end up killing each other and he films the whole thing and then he's got this weird theater in his house where he watches the finished product. And then when they pan back from him watching them, like the corpses that acted in all of his movies, yeah. almost like an award show. He's got them all dressed up in all of these like different... Puppet, like mannequin di- yeah, style. Yeah, kind of like Weekend at Bernie's, but on like, Walk, walking on, like, around. on like Walking Dead thing. They're all like zombies sitting there and screening. he's screening his movies for these people. So that's... I like that. I like that. What do you think, Jim? So... <clears throat> Um, I kind of know this character too uh, as the director Um, I feel like he was so if I were to paint a backstory for this guy I feel like at first he was like very into uh, making you know it started at first as like making like real world documentaries like you know National Geographic type documentaries about like you know um like natives of like South America and stuff and witnessed like way too much and you know kind of like cannibal holocaust kind of thing mm-hmm. went, went and, down the rabbit hole yeah and you know inspired like directors like uh, Eli Roth and those guys and stuff mm-hmm. and you know he's never been all the gore porn yeah never in like you know just disappeared mm-hmm. and um, I feel like his backstory would kind of be like what Cannibal Holocaust is based about, except he actually took real people and sent them into the, the jungles and to get murdered by, like, a native tribe, mm-hmm. you know? And to this day, like, you know, the police can't find him or anyone. 
Yeah. Um, we don't know where his, his well, whereabouts are. You guys nailed the name. This is the director. His real name is Paolo Ravinsky. He is actually born in Eastern Europe, and he was an aspiring filmmaker. But he initially started out as a snuff film director, oh, where geez. he would capture human suffering, torture, and death on his movie cameras. And then his first project was so controversial that the film from the the country's population pretty much banished him, forced him out of the country, and he fled to America. So then law law enforcement agents tried to... They started, you know, classifying his stuff as snuff cinema, but he refused, and he... he, It was... It's supposedly... It's art. That's what it is. It's not a snuff film. It's not people being mangled and murdered. It's, it's quote-unquote, art. So then... His storyline with Horror Nights and how he kind of comes there is that Paolo was hired by Universal Orlando to film their newest horror movie in uh, at Islands of Adventure, their park. So not great hiring on their part. They really didn't do a backstory check on this guy, but he turned the each area of the park into like a living horror movie for his dream project. And then he appeared in a house, um, the All Night Die-In. Which is pretty much actually it's a, it's had a sequel at this point, but it's it's pretty much just like snuff films, B grade horror movies, stuff like that, where it's just kind of his projects and stuff like that. And he would subject the victims from all the audience to the horrors on stage and film their reactions. So that's kind of his story. He has returned um, at the the sixteenth anniversary one, and then the All Night Die in Part Two, and. That's just kind of how the director kind of came into the world of Horror Nights. But a quicker, a, a little quicker uh, backstory for this guy. The the first two, Jack and the Caretaker, definitely have more in-depth uh, backstories. Yeah, Some of them are more basic. Because yeah. of the backstory, or, do you, or have they been, have they been around, around longer? Guy. Like, do the characters gain depth yeah. as time goes on, and they show up They've year definitely, after year? Yeah, well, Jack has been at the most. The Caretaker's a very popular one as well. Um, the caretaker does tie into a couple like houses and and stuff like that, whereas some of the other ones are more just they, they have been an icon before once and then have appeared in kind of like ensemble icon events. So they they might not be the most prominent, but they they're there. All right, so let's get this next one up. So this is our next one, our next individual. Some copyright infringement, possibly. Kind of looks like Lurch. Yeah, I was gonna say, kind of reminds me of a uh, uh, monster. Lurch is a good one, too. You right? <laughs> oh, nah, we got another two. one. I was waiting. I was waiting for. I saw that. I saw the levels getting low. I was gonna go grab another beer in a little bit. Jimmy, what do you think about this this gentleman? Who who are we who are we thinking for this this person? He looks like a door man. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I mean, this is a tough one. He's like, I mean, well, then he's got the. He's also got the flashlight, so I like, like he's one of those like, what do you call him? Like movie theater ushers, or you know, like let's go with like the really nice guy twist. Like everyone loves him. He's such a nice guy. Like oh man, he would never do something like this. And then he like you know, turns out he's like this horrific serial. I mean, uh, dude, I'm I'm sorry guys, I'm so shitty at this. Like, <laughs> I just like, I got nothing. Like the guy looks like a doorman or a movie theater usher, and judging by the way he looks, like probably a movie theater usher at like a like a child sex slave ring. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I'm sorry. Like, what's really dark and, like, you know... Why do sex slave rings need an usher? That's my question. (laughs) (laughs) He looks really creepy. 
I mean, I'm not good at these. I wish I got the pictures beforehand so I could come up with a decent backstory. I'm sorry, guys. This no, I did. we wanted it off the cuff. We wanted to make sure that nobody knew what was going on. Dude, this... Oh, I'm so bad at this. I got nothing. He's just like a creepy fucking movie theater usher. Right. Probably he's into child pornography and... <laughs> And then he cuts up the children's skins after he's done doing his thing with them, and uses that like, and then like uses their skins as like sleeping bags, like, <laughs> like Tauntaun style. I don't know. That was really dark. I don't know where I pulled that from. But I'm sure Universal has something a little more innocent than that. So I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, Kevin. What do we think about this? Yeah, the flashlight leads you to believe he's an he's an usher. I mean, he does look like a bellhop, which. Is what why I said at first he looked like a bellhop from yeah. like the Hollywood Tower Hotel there or whatever. But um, yeah, he's the usher, and um, he was one of the biggest fans of the director's snuff films, and so he it works in conjunction with the director's films. That's so good. So what he does is he goes out and he kidnaps people, and he brings them in and he ties them up, and they're like they're tied and chained to the seats of the theater he runs. And they all are forced to watch the films the director makes. That's where he fits into them. There we go. All right. Well, that was so good. <laughs> so oh, man, guys... this is frustrating. Like, that was such a... That's a home run. That, that's yeah. something Universal would write. Like, here I am coming up with, like, child sex, like, slave. And, like, should have laughed about He's, like, doing... Funny. And he's, like, you know, sleeping with a children's skin, like a tauntaun. <laughs> Jimmy, 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 do we need to talk about off the podcast? For anybody that wants to buy shirts to support Jimmy's therapy. (laughs) You went dark places, man. I don't know. Maybe I was going for shirts. I mean, I'll give you this. You're both correct. His name is The Usher. Yes. So, he's also, his real name is Julian Browning. Excuse me. And in the 1920s, he was an usher at the Universal Palace Theater. And it was a movie house that had been converted from a playhouse. And like Kevin said, he was a really he was a big fan of movies, not necessarily snuff films, but he was a fan of, mil- of movies in general, and he liked horror movies specifically. And he became such some, something of an expert, I guess you could say. Um, but along with that, he was also kind of an asshole, and he was a strict usher, and he was very concerned about rules. So uh, without rules, there's chaos. Right. So he made sure that all you jackasses and you make outers and you. Girls giving handies and popcorn buckets Six and stuff. Inches. Yeah. Six inches. He makes sure Six that he makes sure that you he makes sure that you follow the rules. Um, so during a screening of one of his favorite movies of all time, The Phantom of the Opera, starring Lon Chaney Sr., he got in a scuffle with a especially especially rude theater door. And during the fight, uh, his flashlight was seized by the patron and thrown through the screen, Jesus. tearing it. So he was pissed, went in the backstage to get it back, and somehow... Did you say flashlight or fleshlight? Fla- <laughs> well, it says flashlight, but... I mean, One can knows? assume. One can assume. Today's podcast is brought to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so somehow he gets back there and, surprisingly enough, gets himself entangled in one of the old playhouse's sandbag ropes, and it hangs him, basically. causes him to die a slow strangula- strangulation death. Um... And it was those, are the, those, those are the worst kind of strangulation. Yeah, well, I mean, that and fleshlights and handies and stuff, it's just all working together. Uh, it was revealed that this was the first horrible event of many in the theater's history. So he wasn't the first one to die. Uh, he, was, he was the first one to die, but it would go on to fe- uh, feature more and you know more uh, bad things to happen there. 
and either they determined that the palace itself was evil, or his revenge had been to destroy other rulemaking patrons while you know watching classic movies. So the question is, is it just bad luck, or is Julian coming back from the dead to avenge or to, to cause revenge on <clears throat> other patrons? I mean, anything's better than using children's skin as a sleeping bag. So. <laughs> it is horror night, so they do get dark at times. There was. <laughs> Good thing we're not monetized. All right, so let's jump into the next one. So those first ones were pretty... Are you sure you want me to jump into the next one? Because <laughs> yeah. it's only going to get worse, dude. <laughs> well, the other ones were pretty self-explanatory from their pictures, but this one is definitely really? a little bit more of a guessing oh, game at this Jesus. point. Right. It, is, it is a little bit more of a blurry picture because the internet <clears throat> works in wonderful ways. Let me take this one. However, <laughs> how dark are we going to go? I wouldn't go to, take All it down right. to like a seven. I don't know what to do, man. I just like, uh, why would you? The other ones were very, uh, like, the other ones that we just went through have been very profession heavy. You know, like you see the caretaker, you see the usher. You know, you can you can visibly see that they're, they're something. Whereas this individual oh, is definitely, definitely a little different. Well, it looks like he's in a rock band, like a really shitty satanic rock band. And, uh, <clears throat> um, this is at, in the late 80s to early 90s, he was in a very underground, shitty rock band. And he wasn't making much money, he wasn't going to go to the top, and, uh, you know, he, he, like, he was a huge fan of Slipknot, and, like, obviously Slipknot got huge. And the only way to make money was he got a phone call from an old uh, friend from town who made it big in the band Hole, which was Courtney Love. And Courtney Love already knew that Kurt was going to, you know, um, divorce her. So she offered him half a million to kill Kurt. And then Cobain killed himself and he was super pissed so he decided like oh man like killing actually sounds like a pretty sweet idea so what he does is like fuck it i'm just gonna kill somebody else and went on this fucking murderous rampage and um in the devil's mask thing that he's wearing um and that's all i got he never played music again all right yeah. see you got you got you had more in you that didn't have to be super dark about kids and well i just i don't know i'm confused by your timeline though so he was a rock star in the 80s. Well, late 80s. And he, he was, but he was a fan of Slipknot. No. So wait, and, then, know, and then he tried to kill Kurt Cobain for Courtney Love. No, well, we're dealing with, like, all these multiverses. So <laughs> all right, okay. Be, That's a this is like, so it's like old Slipknot. Like, old, old Slipknot. Yeah. This is like, underground stuff. Prior to 96 right, when they so started got, Okay, Slipknot. so I forgot, to, I forgot this tidbit. Slipknot-esque fans. He was in Slipknot. Oh, he was in Okay. Yeah, he, was, he, got, he, he got, got kicked, kicked out. out. He got kicked <laughs> out. And he was, like, wicked pissed about that. Okay, hold on. But, so Kurt, but super, Kurt Cobain died like, what, 90? 94. <laughs> 94? Okay, fucking Nevermind came out in 91. <laughs> um, so what happened is, is that, yeah, that's exactly what happened. So he gets kicked out of Slipknot. <laughs> doesn't have much money, but he was great friends, like childhood friends with Courtney Love. And her shitty band Hole uh, made it big. And she was riding the coattails of Cobain. Cobain wanted to divorce her, so she offers him, like, this guy to kill Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain kills himself before he could commit the crime. And then he's just like, fuck it, I just kind of want to kill people. So then he goes, and, you know, well, so he decides to get his own taste for murder with other people. 
Dude, this sucks. Right. I'm so fucking <laughs> bad at this, dude. Like, I don't. Oh my god, I this like is it. so We're frustrating. Good. We're on a good that line. wasn't good. That was fucking. <laughs> that was. I know that was really good. That was like, very good. I'm just confused by how he he could have been in a band. Dude, and then you called me out on the airwaves. Like, I don't know Slipknot's fucking history, <laughs> dude. He just looks like he's on a dude from Slipknot. And I feel like all the fans know exactly what I'm talking about. Or he's a devil worshiper. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Is that where you're this going, really Kevin? Yeah, top. definitely. He's um. Here comes he, Kevin with he a was really a, good backstory. He was, in a, he was in a biker gang called God the called it. the gar, called the Gargoyles, <laughs> and they were a biker gang that were satanic worshippers, and I hate and so they had these ceremonies that they do, and they worship these you know evil spirits and the devil, and somehow the you know they're all meth heads because they're all in this crazy bike gang. And so they have these big rituals, which are basically parties where they're all just all drugged out and drinking and meth. And they build these big fires and they have like chain link pieces of like chain link fence over the fires that they cook stuff on. And somehow in their drug induced craziness one night, they realize they have to sacrifice somebody. And this is the dude that they sacrifice. They decide, hey, we're getting, I don't know, Lenny, whatever his name is. Like we're going to kill him and that's going to bring us to the next level of worship to these these evil spirits we worship. You know, the whole premise of this gargoyle motorcycle gang is to, you know, worship these devils. And that's why he's all like, burnt up with these crisscrossy things because they, 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 when they got the jump on him, they threw him on the fire yeah. and he got all this burn, all these burn, burn, burn marks. But what they didn't realize is that they were being told to do that by this ancient evil entity, mm-hmm. which was the, which was, which, which was a gargoyle, which they didn't realize that it was all predestined that their motorcycle gang was called the gargoyles. And then he got the best of them. He convinced them to kill somebody because he needed a host to come back in. So and he, so now the guy comes back looking like this, who was, you know, Lenny the loser, you know, yesterday, and we threw him in the fire. As a second. This... He comes back possessed by the evil ancient entity as the gargoyle, and he like that. The scene of the movie is like the motorcycle gang is ripping out of their like clubhouse, all on their motorcycles, and the front bike like is this guy with his gargoyle wing things all burnt up with this evil smile as they rip out to go like wreak havoc on the local area. All right, I like that. Yeah, that was really so. This this one's name is Fear. Very very uh, original there. However, his real name is Adaru, the God of Fear. Not Larry. No, not Larry. Close though. Um, and not he is Larry actually he is actually the ultimate main villain of the whole canon of Horror Nights. Oh. So his backstory is he's he's sort of they kind of like backdoored this guy. They came out with him later. But his story was that he was pretty much the mastermind of all of these characters of Horror Nights. So we don't really get a lot about him. He's a very dark, mysterious personality. And he influenced events through an old lantern that was kept in the Universal Studios Art and Design Department. And he had been slowly using others to prepare for his eventual return. So, Oh, I got the eventual return part. Yeah, exactly. He does return. <laughs> So in, in early 2010, there was about 20 photographs of previous HHN um, events that were discovered with big, strange burn marks, and they formed a bizarre pattern. So then an online paranormal research group, Legendary Truth, analyzed the photos and discovered that they were a piece of a puzzle depicting a symbol. And then assembling the puzzle at 9 p.m., the art department suffered a blackout, and the 
and the demon was kind of unleashed. And that's kind of Fear's backstory. And he was kind of, he's sort of a puppet master, if you will. He's the one that's pulling the strings on all these characters. No matter how powerful they are, Jack, director, caretaker, all of those, as Fear was the one that, with his lantern, was essentially just pulling all the, all the pieces along and placing them throughout the whole folklore of the event. And he hasn't really appeared as much as the others, but he did appear at the 20 Years of Fear, and he was soon released from his lantern. That's where he began to manifest himself over different electronic media and kind of putting out stuff like from sound bites and stuff like that. 19 years, 19 uh, cycles, what has been a decade for some fans have been an eon for me. On the 20th cycle, I shall be revealed. So that was kind of how he pushed himself into... So do they go into more of the specific patterns that he's obviously burnt with or just that it's part of a... You said it's like part of a puzzle, but do they go into more like... There's a very specific pattern there, which yeah. is why I made up like the chain link fence thing because it, it's not just by coincidence. They're no, very he's definitely specific. got very distinct markings and they do carry throughout. And he's got... The different at least events. you can see, it looks like Roman numeral 20. He's got like XX. Yeah. Is that so that was when he... The 20 years of fear. Right. So that's when okay. he kind of returned on that part. So that's what the 20 stands were. And, he, and if you notice in the the bottom left it's hard to see but he is carrying a little yeah a little turn, but that's that so let's get into this next and one. what i didn't realize the theme here is that they wrote them so that the characters actually are intertwined with universal like universal, universal does, this yeah. or universal found them so it's and it's tr- it's tricky they i think they i don't know if they all do but uh, they definitely don't stray away from the fact of tying it into a, uh, actual universal right it gives them, I guess it gives them more ownership, like if they tie the storyline into the company or, you know. Yeah. All right. So let's get into this next icon. So this is our next one. Very beautiful lady. Ew. <clears throat> I feel like I guys, you guys are going to lose a lot of fans, and I apologize. Sincerely. Uh, well, let's let Kevin go first so I can get the creative juices going, because obviously this is a... I'm failing here. <laughs> let me see it one more pass, time. Is that, is, that, is, that, is that a clock behind her? Oh, Get that good look going. Um, oh no, there are cards behind her. Oh, she's a magician's assistant, and her name is Emerald. Okay. Um, and there's blood all over it. So I'm hoping that somewhere we're going to get a, mag- a magician after this because you're just showing out of order here. Yes, yeah, so that's Emerald. She's the magician's assistant, and they do magic tricks that always go wrong. Like in a real magic show, it's like, oh, you're on the spinning wheel. We throw knives, yeah. and like people. Are, like families and people are at the show. This is so great! Oh, go! Yeah, volunteer, honey. You know, it's all it's all make believe and it's funny, but like it always goes horribly wrong. And in front of a theater full of people, like the spinning person on a board, like the magician's gonna put a blindfold on and he's gonna throw the knife and it like lands right square in the guy's forehead. And then at first people are like, oh, <laughs> oh, isn't that funny effects? And they're like. Next thing you know, the blood's all over the stage, and that's and why just, she's got blood all over her, her hands. They, they hit him five more like, times. Yeah, just... exactly. Or they like saw the guy in half, and like, yeah. oh, that's amazing, and they pull the thing apart, and like the two halves of the body just, just fall, fall out. like fall like two slabs of meat. Sounds like a good uh, a good thing for Doctor Oddfellow's circus. Yeah, interesting, Kevin, that you bring that up. I've got a good take on this one as well. So I feel like this particular woman is. Uh, she's an assistant of a magician. Tricks that always go wrong. So, like, you know, the guy with the blindfold and he throws a knife. <laughs> that was good. That was oh, it's so weird. You guys came up with the same so thing. Weird. I can't believe oh. it. Oh man, I'm having deja vu. 
Okay. To we'll re we'll re-edit that. We'll put Jimmy's first just to make. <laughs> Thank you, because that probably yeah. Okay. Um. Dude, this is hard, man. Like I just I'm not good at this stuff. I can't reiterate. What's your anymore. first What's your first instincts when you see something like this? Well, I mean, she looks like a call girl from like the '30s. Okay. Her and her hooker friends at the brothel invite lonely sailors from like coming back from World War II, and they just instead of having sexy fun time with them, they murder them. Okay, all right. And that's all I got. All right, we'll take it. Seamus, you want to take the lead on this one? It's funny. You actually. No did, way. You did, How close was I? Well, not close, but but parts of it was actually somewhat. Was it the magician one? Or no, it's not, but I'll get to it. So this is actually Lady Luck. And Lady hey. Luck is a shape-shifter. Shape, oh, shape shape-shifting succubus. And she's been around since man began taking chances. Hence mm. the name Lady Luck. Uh, it's believed that the ancient people associated... Luck be a lady tonight. Right, exactly. Associated her with Teach, uh, the Greek goddess of luck, or her Roman counterpart Fortuna. Uh, apparently, she causes. So, bad how is he close with prostitute? I'm missing. Nah, well, we'll get there. Hold okay. on. Um, she actually causes bad things to happen to whoever gambles with her and loses. Um, bad things also seem to happen to people if she gives them a choice and they make the wrong one. Um, just one year before closing of what's called Shady Book Rest Home and Sanitarium, there was a prisoner named Floyd Mercer who hung himself and left behind a notebook full of quotes about luck. Turns out he was the only one known. He was the only one. Whoever um, gambled with her and survived. Floyd witnessed one of his friends, Benny, play poker with Lady Luck by his side, and he won. Later, Floyd saw Benny being killed by Lady Luck in her true monstrous form and her minions. Uh, the minions were her past victims, turned into monsters with spade-shaped scars. He escaped when she saw him, uh, and he faked being crazy to get into an asylum and stay alive. Eventually, he realized that you know she found out where he was and hung himself because of it. Since then, Lady Luck has made sure everyone takes an extra gamble, and she can she can be found uh, in a in a dark room with a roulette wheel that she uses to torture victims. Now, how you're somewhat right is that she does she's quoted as saying that she was there when Columbus sailed as a rival captain uh, and his mate, and a simple coin toss looked seemed so innocent that his crew turned to hate. So. It had, so, it had to do with ships. Yeah, so World War II prostitutes, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> World War II <laughs> sailors, you know. World yeah. War II sailors. But well, we were yeah, on to something too. It. Really I want to give you something, Jimmy. Just accept <laughs> just it. Take it. Really just take it. Just take it. We're not talking about World War II here anymore. But what Kevin saw in the picture too, that was... That you you went and you thought of the whole spinning wheel thing. It's actually the roulette it's wheel. The, it's yeah. Well, it's the card. It's the card wheel. Yeah. Where you put money on a card and they spin. And it's, so, called, it's called the money wheel in yeah. a casino. So the thing about Lady Luck, and this is more just history of the of the event, which is kind of nice and kind of cool, is that she was uh, the icon for Halloween Horror Nights 21. It's the only one she's ever been in, um, and she didn't have her own house. But the cool thing about her character is they used her in all of the various houses in some in some way. Um, so like even if it was like a like a, like the thing she was so they wove her into they all the houses. Into all the houses. Oh, that's yes. that's yeah. good. So that's why I said like earlier. Sometimes they intertwine the, yep. the 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 character in an overarching story for the event. All right, let's get on to this next one because now we're getting into these other characters that oh boy. are Ooh. not buckle as... up, guys. So we got this this fine gentleman here. That dude is literally a ripoff of Jason Voorhees and Leatherface. <laughs> Well, you might be onto something there. This character strikes me as like 
cheesy and cheap, almost like a parody. Yeah. Is that a beeper in his pocket? <laughs> no, is it? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> that might be a. Uh, I don't know what. Uh, uh, it could be like a knife, like a like a. No, it's a beeper. Um, <laughs> we got, guys are on the stuff. And he's got the yeah, he's got the Hannibal Ooh. Lecter yeah, face mask on thing. It's maybe he's yeah, Hannibal. it's like this is like a collection of tropes to almost parody a villain. Well, this one's gonna be hard because there's nothing. Yeah. This, well, the it's funny not, part is not, I can't wait to hear where not, you guys it's go. It's not cohesive, like yeah. Which is funny because I can't wait to hear where you guys go. I think I just answered my own. I think I just answered my own question. I know I got. I got it. All right, what are we oh, thinking? Feel free. You want to go first? <laughs> it's just one. that the kid grew up as a horror fan, so he's repping like he goes out and does these murders. All different ways for all of the different horror people that he saw in the movies that he watched. That's why he's got the Chainsaw Massacre. He's got the Hannibal Lecter mask on. He's got the beeper for I don't know why, but he's just he's just yeah yeah exactly precisely. He yeah. is just a deranged kid who now goes out and emulates many of the villains from the horror movies that he was a fan of as a kid. Do you have a name for this gentleman at all? In any particular? Lenny. Lenny. No. Okay. <laughs> it's actually kind of no. close. <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> Lenny and Kenny. Letter Kenny. Letter All right. So what do you what do you got for this guy, Jim? You, 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 I mean, you were initially were on along the same lines as well. So. Yeah. I don't know, man. This is I'm so, I'm so shitty at this. All right. So, ex quarterback from high school, superstar athlete, has the hottest chick in the whole school. Head of the cheerleading team, prom queen, all this. She leaves him. A World War II sailor. (laughs) The dude on the drum line. (laughs) So he goes on a killing spree, killing all of the geeks and nerds. With a chainsaw. And his name is Thad. (laughs) Thad Castle. Thad Castle. All right. Well, you guys were off to a great start. This is Eddie. Eddie Schmidt. Oh, he's related to Jack. Jack's brother. Like his brother was born in the Shady Brook rest home in Santorum in the late 1800s. The Shady Brook place sucks. Yeah. Why are kids being born in a rest home? <laughs> Eddie is portrayed as having been overly obsessed with 80s slasher films, particularly ones featuring chainsaws, such as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> That's where it gets pulled from right there. So his story is, in his youth, he actually set up haunted house events within the confines of his trailer park that he lived in. And then a group of teens set the place on fire as a, as a quote-unquote joke. <laughs> So that was a pretty good prank ah. there. Not knowing he was inside. So they trapped him there and disfigured his face and hands with Solid severe prank, burns bro. for life. So Eddie uses that kind of mouth guard to cover his burns and stuff like that. He's been in a game show funhouse called Run that he kind of invented. And it's a variation of Jack's you know, funhouse in it. And visitors must escape from various torture devices and chainsaw wielders like himself without losing their minds. However, Eddie is actually a scrapped icon. He's actually never been an icon at this event. He was supposed to be the icon for 2001, but because of the September 11th events, they they thought that he would be too violent. So they brought in Jack. So it was... At the 2001 event, there was no like blood or anything. So he was they like replaced. A he was, yeah, and, but he has appeared at Horror Nights in like scare zones and, and 
houses, and he will, I'm sure, get the credit that he's due at some point. But because 2001 bad was timing. the bad timing that they they pulled it, they didn't want gore, and they actually replaced like all the blood at that event with like green goo and stuff. So it was more like Jack. It, it was just like a like almost like goosebumpy style. It yep. was a horror, but it was not horrific. Kid kid level horror. Monster, yeah, monster blood. Yeah, monster blood. It was very. It was it was dulled down. So I'm sure Eddie will will get his his due at some point. But that's uh, that's Eddie Schmidt. And, uh, you said you guys were off to a, a really good start there. So let's let's reveal this next one. This this old battle axe. Not 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 the best picture, but it'll it'll do. You know, I'm just gonna go real simple. Um... That's Jack's mom and Eddie's mom. Okay. That's all I got. That's all you got? Maybe I should have just kept it real simple. A lot of them are simple. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they do have some diverse backgrounds, but their names and everything are fairly simple. I wish you told me that. But... That's not the fun part, though. Dude, I am so worried <coughs> that I'm going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> no backstory, that's it? I mean, she's got two fucked up kids. One's a clown that kills people. One's a dude that's in a... Well, hold on. Time out. What's the age difference between those two? Well, they were born. They were both born around the 1800s, so they have so age is kind of like a weird number. They're just kind of beings at this point. Yeah, I'm gonna say that's Jack and Eddie's mom. Again, this is one of those things where I think I have seen something or I've heard something and read something. So I'm I'm gonna. I think I think I think she's called the storyteller. Okay. And I'm trying to picture where the setting would be. Like you you pay to go to this woman, like kind of like a séance, or or is she at like. Maybe kind of a side sideshow, sideshow at a creepy like small roadside circus, like like a really like weird sideshow, freak show, freak, freak show. show. You go to okay. a freak show and you want to see the bearded lady and the lizard boy, and she's there, <laughs> the storyteller, and she kind of tells creepy stories. And they're like, oh, it's kind of fun. That's the stick, you know. There's all these weird people. She tells these so people listen to you know while they're having their mead. Mm-hmm. Um, she tells these creepy stories, and what happens is like. The family leaves. Oh, that was kind of creepy. Huh? Kind of like ghost stories. You know, great. We paid our 50 cents. We had fun. We had some popcorn, candied apples, mm-hmm. sauce. Saw the lady with the beard and the seven <laughs> foot nine guy. And then they leave. And then, like, and I do this all on the premise of, like, almost screenwriting. I see the movie. Like, the husband comes home from work. And she's, he's like, and the wife's like, you don't look so good. What's wrong? He's like, do you remember that crazy storytelling lady from the, the freak show? She's like, yeah. Remember she told that crazy story about the guy who like kind of looked like Abe Lincoln, but he had a limp and a scar, and he like tortured kids. She's like, yeah, I saw that guy today. She's like, what? <laughs> and then like I saw her. it was exactly the way she described it, and kind of like an aha moment. And the wife's mm-hmm. like, yeah, whatever. And then like they sit down, they have, you know they're done with dinner, they're sitting down, the news comes on, and it's like two kids are missing today from the mall, of blah blah blah. And the guy's face kind of widens. And the wife's like, what's wrong? He's like, that's where I thought I saw that guy today. So people who hear the stories from her start to live them. Get into that story. It's yep. always more of a premonition than anything. Yep. I like that. That was super good. <laughs> I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, you're <laughs> super good. Like, I'm like, oh, man, I wish I did my research. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, well, we didn't want you to do research. That was the point. Well, I mean, I wish I like so, saw the pictures at first and created backstories. Like, or I feel like I'm getting better as the characters. Well, the frame they have that in, like, it's creepy. Like, it's one of those. 
things you'd see it's in a like movie a where like, like it's like almost, you almost want it to be hologram like yeah. it's one of those things you'd the see somewhere it's precisely is what yeah. I was going to say like the that's probably what they were going for with that so <clears throat> you're right Kevin it is the storyteller that is her name she goes by well that's what she goes by her real name is Elizabeth Strict or Elsa Strict either one is fine I don't think she matters cares so much which one you call her but those are her her real names um They've kind of used her in a, in a few different ways. She's obviously... Be, she started life <laughs> as a creepy old storytelling lady, but they did do a little bit of a backstory for her. So um, at some point in the history of HHN, they do... She starts uh, as an origin story as a little girl who is visited by a winged creature who wants to skin her alive. But in retaliation, she eats it somehow. And in doing so, she inherits its darkness... And proceeds to rip all of the stuffing out of one of her dolls and murder her mother with a hammer, as you do when you eat a demon. Um, she, as she gets older, she obviously um, transports guests into a landscape of a story. So again, you're very close to what she actually does. Um, and the story is called Terra Crentis. Um, the land is ruled over by the evil Terra Queen, which you might you might see her again. Um, who oversees the execution of her victims to refill blood vats, almost like a witch, uh, Bathory, I uh, forget her name, but, you know, bathed in blood, that type of person. So the blood is used to create a ceremonial dagger called the Terror Throne Blade, and it's used to sacrifice, uh, sacrifice people. Um, and then on the last night, the queen herself is actually sacrificed. <clears throat> the Lord of Darkness and his servants unearth the ashes of four nights to revive her and three other supreme evils to celebrate the Sweet Sixteen. And she refurbished the Dungeon of Terror, a defunct scary roadside attraction. So again, you're really close to, to everything that happens in her story. Um, so she's kind of like... She, she's along the same lines like you had said, where she, she'll create stories and actually bring you as the viewer into those stories. Um, so she kind of like has, uses that darkness, that power to do that. Um, she's got kind of a murky story. There's not a whole lot of backstory to her, but... Um, that's what we you know know of as of right now and she's also retroactively used as one of fear's minions the the devil character you saw earlier as uh, as a legend so she's his uh, minion legend are these characters around every year at horror Nights? no not every year they they come and go sometimes like do they bring all of them in or is it one per year or it varies um this year being that this year's going to be an anniversary year i expect a lot of these to be back cool. um so we'll see a lot of these soon all right, so this next one right here, not a great picture. What do we think there? What do you think on this one, Jim? I just, you know, classic, you know, nice nice kid, nice girl next door gets possessed by a demon, you know. Kind of looks like a ripoff of Reagan from The Exorcist. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. what's it, pa, Pazuzu? Pazuzu? Pazuzu. Uh, it's Captain Howdy. <laughs> For all you real fans out there. Um, uh, you know... I'm not going to try to overthink it. I think it's just a girl that got possessed by some demon. And that's, that's all I got. Just based on what I can see of the dress, I think it's the she's a bride, I think. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> so I'm thinking again, it's, yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the, it's, it's the exorcist storyline. She's an evil, ancient entity. So you'd have to figure a way that the, the wedding thing plays into it. Um, 
man. What a shitty wedding. She just gets, she, she gets well. She's like about to get married. The the guy she's the fiance. The guy she's marrying is like a cheating prick, <laughs> and this evil spirit was trying to possess her anyways. And then the, the the bride finds out at the very last minute. I mean, almost at the church that he was cheating on her, and she gets just so distraught. She kills herself, and she doesn't quite succeed at it, but she gets into a zone just enough where this evil spirit that was trying to become user as the host comes out and then they just go all freaking ham on the um future husband for being a cheater and like they do all kinds of shitty terrible horrible things to him so this one is a bit funky so this one is actually bloody mary the famous the famous ghost don't say her name three times whatever it was it's a real tricky uh tricky situation because with copyright and stuff like that so she was a ghost who served as the event icon for the 18th event so hhn 18th and it was kind of based on the legend of Bloody Mary, but like I guess urban legends and stuff like that can sort of still have copyright things like that. So somebody does own like the rights to Bloody Mary. So interesting. Maybe like at that point the first, they didn't. The first person to actually yeah, so write it down and they they don't really um, use Bloody Mary as much. They don't. They still she was an icon, and they gave her a big backstory, and her backstory is very elaborate. So it's it, not it, a wedding dress, and it could be through these different stories stuff like that because I. I haven't read through every single. This one is crazy that a character that has only appeared once has like one of the most extensive backstories, but she does. So, the events of 1908, Mary Worthington was a school teacher in a small town of Cary, Ohio. Cary, Ohio is a very prominent HHN focal point. A lot of the that's where like the caretakers from. There's houses that were themed there and stuff like that. But what's the tie-in? Is there like? It's some just the, like, but is there like a back, like some of the creative team? Like, there's, is there some history? I don't even where know it, if there is a real Cary Ohio. I'm not sure how they kind oh, of stumbled right. upon creating that. They but, just used it as a yeah. But she vanished in 1908 as a result of a Halloween prank, um, orchestrated by the school handyman. Um, <laughs> these things are crazy, but her body was never found and was classified as missing. So then you fast forward to 1958, uh, Mary. Uh, Marie Agna, daughter of Mary Warrington, who died back then, uh, received a letter um, from her family attorney who informed her that her wishes of her late mother, Mary received several valuable heirlooms that were originally belonging to the grandmother, Mary, so the one that had disappeared. Um, And in 1958, Mary received another letter from the National Association of Mental Health that informed her informed her that board members had denied funding her for her her therapy program and then she began in 58 i guess her immersive therapy program where she hired assistance from a local facility and they were believed to be ex-cons or mental patients and stuff like that so then we fast forward to a private investigator boris schuster and schuster began kind of investigating her and her clinic because her patients began to disappear. So he kind of started to wonder what her actual practice was. He made an appointment with her to discover the truth behind the mysterious psychiatrist. And on that night, Dr. Agno was brutally murdered, supposedly by Schuster, the investigator, but her body was never found. Seems to be a common theme in this family. And just like her grandmother, her body also vanished. So some believed that the spirit of Bloody Mary, none other than Mary's grandmother, had been gradually possessing her and from the heirlooms that she had inherited. And then after that, there's Legendary Truth, the collective, they're kind of like a paranormal investigative 
organization that is kind of been through the folklore of HHN through past years. They've brought in through houses and stuff like that. Um, they found that if, if you still... Um, they tried to manifest Bloody Mary because they detected it by field anglers and then field agents kind of detected the presence of Bloody Mary and they they, they, they kind of started this whole movement in Summoner, which was they'd broken out the mirror they, they, she slaughtered the whole team everything like that so it, it was a very it's a very extensive um, backstory for this Bloody Mary character which ties in a lot so that 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 kind of sums up Bloody Mary at this point. How weird is that? That's creepy. That's creepy. That's messed up. Actually, Jimmy has a just got a giant bloody nose like while like, talking about Bloody Mary. That's like crazy. Lying. We're That's just so sitting weird. here. I have to take a picture just to prove that you're not making that. that we're not making this one up. Oh God. I was wondering what was happening. I was like, did he, did he start... I, I, that's why I kind of started fading off towards the end, because I just... I, I thought he was like... I thought he spilled beer or something, or, or I don't know what the fuck was going on. Oh, but he, did you say her name twice or three I, times? I might have said Jimmy, it. As, Jimmy, Jimmy. I might have kind of got her. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, no. I got it on my sweatshirt. <laughs> oh, the campground sweatshirt. All right, well, we'll, we'll let Jimmy clean up this, this little area. We're going to load up this next picture, and we're going we're gonna to skip off of that. But, yeah, Bloody Mary essentially hasn't really uh, been referenced since. Definitely didn't get her fair fair share, but obviously due to some copyright Well, if you issues. think that it's because that there's, you know, it's... Do you bleed in my beer? No? Okay. If you think it's because there's copyright issues or it, it vaguely steps on, like, intellectual property somewhere, mm -hmm. that would explain why they low profile or you won't yeah. see her again. Yeah. How weird is that? <laughs> of all the characters they get a bloody nose during... Bloody Mary was it. Oh, no, I got blood on my chicken and my box. <laughs> Alright, so let's jump over to this next character. What is happening? Okay. Remind me, give me give me the five second recap of Jack. The five second recap of Jack? Yeah, so, I think that's good. There has to be. You think there's a, a tie in with there these two? So Jack, Jack is a clown from the 1800s. He got into Dr. Oddfellow's circus. Um, he had previously killed children. The Dr. Oddfellow caught wind of that. He was also, you know, a, a past criminal, so he didn't want the police come snooping around. He murders Jack, buries him with the 13 bodies of the children that he had murdered. Jack becomes discovered years later. His corpse is discovered and then somehow brought to Universal and then brought to life. So after that happens, some time passes and they realize Jack had a sister. Okay. And then because they know that what happened... Like, they go digging. And so they found him. Where did they find him at Universal? Uh, some storage container. They, they, they bought the remnants of the old haunted Got it. circus so, or whatever. So there's this, you know, in some movies, there's always this one person that gets obsessed with this thought in their head and doesn't let it go. So somebody discovers, like, they're doing research about Jack. Kind of like just, they're just really interested in him. And they discover some aha moment, like he had a younger sister that was with him at the same time, and then they realize that maybe they have you know her as well, and they end up like going looking through stuff, and there's some twists and turns, and it turns out that his sister is there as well. All right. <clears throat> so she's an outcast. It's always been like an outcast. No Jack tie-in. 
No, no. But I'm gonna go down like a similar path. Very, like his like comes from like a very abusive family. Very mentally disturbed, unhinged. You know, kind of went unchecked for a long time. You know, in and out of a bunch of therapies and meds and all this and that. Just nothing took. And everyone, you know, in school and stuff thought she was weird and blah blah blah. And her only escape was like comic books. And she particularly identified with Harley Quinn from the Batman comics. And then one day at school, she's just kind of pushed to the absolute edge. And the next, or you know, the next day, kind of snaps, puts on the makeup, and you know, goes around killing the fellow classmates with like a hammer. You know, like how kind of didn't Harley Quinn have like a mallet or something like she had that? A mallet, yeah. yeah. So like, well, this chick has a hammer. <laughs> she's got dad's the Home Depot size version. Yeah, of she doesn't really have anything. framing hammer. But like, yeah, she's just kind of like a huge, you know, Harley Quinn fan and outcast. Or she could just be a college student that just needs money and is a <laughs> horror nights extra. I'm not really sure. Okay. And she makes her living as a clown prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, what we got? No, that was a good. You went down a good old rap. Dude, this sucks. I'm so bad at this, dude. <laughs> I can't reiterate it enough. I've been blowing noses. Like, I'm just, like, dying here. <laughs> so you're both pretty much on the right track. She is in relation to Jack. She's Jack's right-hand woman. Um, there isn't a whole lot of backstory to her other than she first appeared in a live show that was featured in 2007. Uh with Jack um, she kind of along those lines kind of like becomes obsessed with him and turns up his his, his like his Harley Quinn quote unquote um, again there's not a whole lot of backstory as to where she comes from but just that you know she was brought in by Jack and helps him torture people during their stage their stage presentations um she does kind of resent playing second fiddle to Jack, according to promotional material. So you can kind of tell she's like, kind of going. She's, she's obviously crazy, um, and she's like, she wants to be like her own character, but she does kind of fall in that like second, like that uh, sidekick role to him. Um, and she uh, has quite a taste for murder. So seems like it's a it's a trend for most of these characters, but. Um, yeah, I don't know, Nick. If you've got any other anything else about her you wanted to talk about, because that's pretty much all I can find. Yeah, it, again, she is she's a a newerish character that has not really been a full fledged on her own kind of thing. So her, much like some of the other ones, you know, like the the director and the the usher, they don't have like these really extensive backgrounds just because of they they haven't been around as long. All right, let's jump into this next one. This is our second to last icon. We got this one and one more. So this one's a wild one. She was scratched as a child at one of Joe Exotic's tiger petting things. <laughs> She's from and, Oklahoma. And she became like a hybrid woman tiger. Because <laughs> she's got some stuff monster. on her head right so, there. She's got some like claws or fingers or something. The tigress. <laughs> le, le tigress. The tigress. Yeah, so like, I think the. Like a, they call it like a beast primal type of villain. She's she's part animal, part human. Started with a, a scratch when she was a kid, got infected. Yeah. And she... I mean, she's got like 
claws coming out of her head. Like she's that's and she's got like tiger stripes on her chest. <laughs> and she's got this like crazy like power. Like even though she looks kind of freaky, men are like super attracted to her. Mm-hmm. So like they they meet her in clubs and bars, and they think she's like dressed for costume. Like yeah, oh no, that's her. And like she's in she's in Vegas. Yeah. And so she's like always telling make people think like she works in like a show. Like oh showgirl, like that's your costume, but it's not. She's really like that. Yeah. And so she picks up these guys that are at conventions in Vegas, and they think like oh she's in this she's in Cats, <laughs> but then she takes them back, and then like she turns into like a tie like. She starts acting like a tiger, and she mauls them and eats them. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> what is this? I don't even fucking know, dude. Um, see, I'm not really getting any animal vibes from her. Uh, can I see that crown thing a little bit? Looks like claws to me. She looks like a, like a Martian. Like from like uh, oh, Mars the alien, The alien track alien might be theme, good, yeah. yeah. Or like, yeah, the lady from like Species. Oh, maybe she's like one of uh, the doctor's like experiments and stuff where he's trying to create like hybrid like gene splicing. <laughs> and she kind of, you get this wonderful fucking thing. This creature. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like a human genetic splicing thing gone wrong. All right. Or gone right, depending upon how gone, she treats you. They're gone right. And her only thing is to propagate her species, so she has to constantly breed. Yeah. They call her the queen bee. Uh, the queen bee. The queen bee. The queen bee. Okay. Well. She's the propagator. Ooh. The, yeah. The propagator. The queen bee. <laughs> so I actually was going to be doing this one right after the storyteller, but Seamus let the name slip. So I moved oh, it. So well. this is the Terra Queen. So you have the queen right. Oh. So the Terra Queen, she actually, again, doesn't have a giant backstory. She was the icon just in 2005. And she rules over the Terra Carentis, which is her land. And it's like a monstrous motorcycle gang, and she gives out commands to her black guard and followers. And there's a ceremony of blood that always goes underway, which concludes with the sacrifice of pure blood. One of the, And then that's one of the key ingredients to making a ceremonial dagger for the next ritual. So it's kind of like a, a full circle kind of thing. But it is a weird little, like... We did a whole episode on this, but it's a weird, like, under... It's a whole dystopian futury like place. There's there's biker gangs and guardsmen, Mad creatures, Max. and it's just it's a whole different style. But she's a real cruel, heartless, and she always had lawbreakers sent to the body collectors, which were in the Gorewood forest. And she couldn't speak; she would only hiss and growl and make weird noises. She had an interpreter for her, and she would just kind of really sit at her terror throne. So there's a, it's pretty much all I mean Terra Queen, Terra Crentis, Terra Blade, Terra Throne. It's all, it's it's Terra everything. So that's that's the uh, that's the Terra Queen right there. You were onto something both a little bit. My idea is better. So this this is our last this is our what last. Universes that scrap that one. Our last icon. Oh what the fuck? Ooh, looks like one of the uh, children from uh, Salem's Lot. That like tap on the window. <laughs> Little vampire children. Ooh, there's my idea. That's your idea? What is it? She's a vampire child. A vampire child? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's stupid. Uh, let's ride yeah, with it. Ride so with it. Alright, yeah. right, so she's a vampire child. She's actually Vlad the Impaler's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. I mean, she's fucking creepy looking with those eyeballs. And, um, yeah, she just, like, has been, you know, 
aging the third, at the third, you know, at the, what is it? How do vampires age? The At the third of a rate a human does? So, I, do you, I, I don't know, but I, I don't if know. anybody would know, that would be you. That's I your, have no idea. That's did they mention that in Blade? I didn't even right? realize that was a thing. That's up your, your I alley I thought that's, uh, well. Okay. I don't know. We'll have to wait for the new Blade show to come up before we can get the answer. I thought they said something like that in Blade. Yeah, I think she's just like a vampire kid that's just like, ooh, like the, like, let me in, you know? Ooh, been, a, or let the right one in? Let the right one in, or... Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, so I think she's like a little vampire kid, and um, she's been just sucking blood and fucking shit up since 1842. <laughs> but it looks like she's in the 40s now, or something, so... Yeah, I'll go with that. She's a little vampire shithead. All right. She strikes me at least. This picture strikes me as very Twilight Zone like. Like I think she's like part of the like Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. The glowing, yeah, the glow. I'm sure it's because it's black and white and the glowing. So yeah, movie true. starts. It's like the 1930s. She's in school. There's some. There's a terrible storm. The the kids are like outside and the. the they're slow to bring them in, and she gets hit by lightning. Because that's the Twilight Zone thing. And she's got the white eyes. Yeah, too. exactly. Right. So, the girl dies. Now, fast forward. It's the it's the sixties. The teachers get their new class for the year, and there's this girl that is new moved just moved to town. Looks a lot like her. Nobody really gets it yet, but looks just like this. And she's got one of them. She's got an old time name, so she's like it's like. Matilda or something like right. and it's this, there's a new girl like here it is like you know 30 years later Matilda new new student from out of town yeah terrible things start happening to the class teacher ends up dying obviously not the teacher that left you out in the storm back. Yeah. but anyways next thing you know it's like the 80s new family moves to town Matilda comes in new teacher more modern crazy shit starts happening kids are getting sick kind of weird stuff going on in the classroom teacher dies halfway through the year some other mysterious way mm-hmm. you know 2010 new teacher new school everything's changed like you know the, the modern music's playing guess what family moves new, new family in town on. yep wow that's kind of weird this, this you know, it's current day like who names their kid Matilda she shows up looks the same so she just keeps re just occur- repeating the cycle. She keeps repeating the cycle. All right. So um, neither of you are correct, but um, <laughs> but I do like the story. Both of those stories are actually probably a lot better than what the actual story. Is. So she's actually unused as far as an icon is concerned as well. She is the daughter of Albert Kane, Cindy Kane, as we kind of mentioned her the a little caretaker's bit earlier. Daughter. The caretaker's daughter. Um, originally, she was supposed to be the original icon for uh, Islands of Fear, which is one of the years for Halloween Horror Nights. Um, the idea was that uh, each island on the Islands of Adventure was meant to convey uh, part of her mind, which is disturbed, and that every scare actor and every creature that was in that um, part of the world were supposed to be her playthings, quote-unquote. Um, due to the fact, I guess at the time, there was a lot of child abductions being being. Um, propagated like it was happening quite a bit so they changed the story um because of that fact they thought they figured a scary kid sp- spooky kid probably two on the nose probably two on the nose for that i think it was time. happening in central florida it was like probably, a Orlando. it yeah. was a florida thing so it wasn't the time it was just not you don't want to put that in yeah so they were just being cognizant to 
public relations yeah, kind of I mean, stuff. You know, some family down the street just had their you know kids snatched, and oh, here's Universal Horror Nights. Come see Cindy right, Kane, so, or you know, little kid, dead daughter kid snatching. Thing. Yeah, so like, ah, it's a right. little, little not so great. So essentially, mm. it's funny. The funny enough, they, they're so she was supposed to be just her own character, and then because of that, they replaced her with the caretaker. And then she kind of get roped in as his daughter, and she shows up in one of his houses as like a caged kid in the kitchen scene of that house. So she was supposed to be her own character. They obviously didn't use her, and then they brought her back, um, kind of in the the caretaker's world. So although we both had really good ideas, nothing anywhere near what she actually deserved. <laughs> Some might say better. Yeah, her. Oh yes, oh, yeah. much little, better than her regular. Her real story was a little. Eh. Especially the one about the vampire. All right. Well, that wraps it up for all of our icons. We heard a lot of good backstories here, and you guys were actually a lot closer than we thought for a couple of these. Did we? Did we hear a lot of good, really good backstories? <laughs> I thought we did. I thought sometimes I wonder. I mean, there's a couple that are a little iffy. I but... think Kevin had really good backstories, <laughs> but I didn't bleed. Yeah, you didn't summon <laughs> Bloody Mary. Right, I was gonna say Dude, you, you weird, bled for your. How weird is that? It's, it's a story. That's a story to be told. Am I gonna die? Maybe you're haunted. Don't talk. About in all seriousness, though, like it, it, it's a little weird. I'm not just joking. I'm like, okay, that's a little fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone catch that at first? Like, well, no, because I was talking, <laughs> I was talking to the mic, and you sure were doing on. something. So I thought you like spilled beer on yourself, or I saw you going for the napkins. I was like, I don't know what he's doing, light. I was like, oh, he's probably just making a mess or something. And, and then, then my I see keys, blood like, just keys coming got up. snagged on the. Yeah. <laughs> I kept trying to walk. I kept getting pulled by the cabinet oh, doors. Oh boy! All right. Well, I think that we've run this episode. A little bit long too, so we're gonna we're gonna jump jump off the episode. So, guys, thanks for coming so much for our fiftieth episode. Yeah, so, I know you guys do sometimes. You make up your own houses. Yes. Yes. I I vote for we do an episode where we all come up with our own icon character. Okay, we could. So we actually. So we did we have done. Oh, you've done that. Before, that? I, I want, I want that. to continue to do that because we'll come up with new ones every time. And there's, there there's, it's interesting. So you should dive into if if you want if we do this. What we did is I, I kind of dove my for myself. I dove into a past house or scare zone that I thought was like really good, and I pulled from that story. I pulled a character out and created. It. So they have one. They had a scare zone that was it was called the Dead Man's Wharf, and it was all like dead uh, fishermen and stuff like that. And the whole backstory was you know Captain Knit, what blah 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 whatever. So I made the fisherman as you know because you have the caretaker, the storyteller, sure. Yeah, sure. So I just did the fisherman. So it gives you a, a place to start from. Yep. Yeah, so it that was a fun. Would it was work a, a house, fun or episode. you have to take one of the existing mm-hmm. icons and make a a cohort or what's a, their, a partner, what's their, uh, their, like, their or other. just somebody that works with them, or, or the story <laughs> merges or something. Like the the chance to jack. What's the what's mm-hmm. the chance to fear? Yes. Or what's the chance to yeah. exactly? You know, the caretaker. I mean, kind of Cindy came, but not as great. But no, I like that idea. We can let's put that one on the books for for coming up so as far as episodes concerned about what we're going to be doing um i'm going to be on vacation next week so we may or may not have an episode we will I'll discuss be, that i'll off be filling in don't worry <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let jimmy take the reins jimmy come back it's gonna be the jimmy host. show um so we'll, we'll talk off air and we'll see if we can sneak an episode in but if not you guys enjoy these episodes just one last thing before we go uh our t-shirts if you guys know about them, we have our T Public page. It's in our bio for all of our Twitter, Instagram, everything. If you follow that, our shirts are going to be on sale again starting Friday, I believe, all the way through Monday. A discount? Yeah. Oh, so, so I got Friday screwed. I, I ordered Monday. today. I got screwed. No discount. If you ordered order today, today, you got screwed. 
Unfortunately. Did you order today? Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you? Uh, <laughs> it just means you got to buy more. But if, we got more money for it. If you use the promo PD Gym, you get there, there is no promo. Off. There is no promo for PD Gym. Do the not promo. use PD Gym. That's <laughs> totally, that, that's Type in the promo cocker. code. Torcocker. <laughs> Uh, so if you order oh from, my god, I'm like we're in junior high here. <laughs> if you order July 2nd through the 5th, that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, you will receive a 35% off. That means t-shirts are $13, $30 hoodies. So lots of cool stuff. Get that. All that stuff supports us. It's going to help pay for some of our tickets and our VIP tours, which we've already booked. That's in addition to the 15% if you use the promo code PGM. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, and we also are planning another release. I know this. I said that we're going to be ending the episode, but we are going to be planning to release another T-shirt drop August third, one month until Horror Nights. We're going to be releasing a whole new batch of what we'll refer to as maybe an artist collection. Uh, we're going to be getting a lot of family and friends, and they're going to be creating their own design, their own concept for for our product, the Fear and Beer Podcast. And we're going to be releasing those on August third. So plenty of time to order before Horror Nights, but once we drop those shirts, we only got one more month. That's the same the time they'll be um, doing the Fear and Beer men's thong, right? Yeah, yes. the men's oh, thong. Man. Yeah, those, it's going to be a picture of me and Seamus. <laughs> yep. <laughs> couple of nuts. Yeah, just a couple of nuts <laughs> hanging. A couple of little dark cockers. <laughs> All right, did you, well, did you hear that? Did thing. you hear that? That was the train going off the track. Off the track. Yes, <laughs> we've we been way off the track. It's All okay. right, well... This was fun. Until next time, this is Nick. This is Seamus. Kevin. Jimmy. And uh, Beyonce. PD Jim promo code. <laughs> <laughs>